0: Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan
1: McDowell, and Matt Price.
0: Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Matt, over there is Ryan, and we are coming at you with episode 603 of the show. Lots to get to this week. Uh, We're going to get to consensus top 12 dynasty running backs. We tried to do that last week, but somebody was on a soapbox about Jordan Love, so we'll try to stay away from that topic. Uh, A fun startup, of course, to get to, and uh, our Rookie Report series continues with three rookies that um, are – honestly, we're going to talk about a couple of them at least, that it it seems like the Dynasty uh, community will be very split on, at least in my opinion, but we'll get to those guys here. Shortly, the divisional round is in the books. We're gonna have the 49ers and Lions on the NFC side and a fun game on the AFC. <laughs> Boo. yeah, <laughs> no pack, no, uh, disappointing. Um, and then the AFC side, man, that was a good game. You guys enjoy that Bills Chiefs game as much as I did.
2: Both, I like, I like, I thought all of the games were good,
0: all of them. Yeah, Baltimore kind of ran away with that. That the second football half. game, uh, especially in the second half, that that defense looks like the class of the NFL, at least on that side of the ball. Um, but the football was good and some exciting finishes for sure, whether you were on the winning side or not, either through bets or in a playoff fantasy league, or maybe it's your favorite team. You have to say the football was pretty good. And I think we're going to get two pretty good ball games this coming Sunday as well. But we got a big show to get to, so let's get to it. The Startup. You know, watching all four of those football games over the weekend, guys, one player kind of stood out to me, and maybe he did for you as well. It was Isaiah Pacheco and how he played. Despite not getting a lot of carries early in the game, he was clearly the guy that they wanted to put the game away with late in the game. I think he only had five or six carries in the first half, and I would know because I had a lot of overs on his uh, on his 15-carry prop. He, he, he came in even on that. 15 carries, uh, 97 yards and a touchdown, salted the game away on that last drive by getting that first down. That guy chops his feet faster than anybody I've ever seen, I think and he breaks tackles doing it. He's so driven to um, make plays after contact. I love watching him play. He wasn't particularly um, involved as a pass catcher this week, Matt, but typically he is. His January ADP, RB 13. So he's ahead of guys like Josh Jacobs and DeAndre Swift and right behind Rashad White. And and uh, I'm I'm kind of thinking that Pacheco fits in that group, but he also feels kind of underrated in my opinion. He feels like a guy that you can go get if you believe, and I certainly do.
2: Yeah, I actually moved him way up my rankings uh, after this weekend. And I mean, I think he was too low in my rankings before anyway, but I moved him up in the top 10 at running back nine this week. So uh, mm-hmm. I just like, it's just the state. I mean, it's a combination of this situation he's in. I think he's always going to have touchdown equity as long as he is the primary back in that mm-hmm. offense. Uh, and really the state of the running back position as generals we'll get into later. Uh, that's kind of propping him up there for me. So yeah, I agree. I think he's underrated. I, I've underrated him all season myself. Um, I, I, I think I tried to I tried to get rid of him for any kind of late first I could earlier this season, and maybe that's still the move. But I think it's a fine buying price at this point, and I'm I'm pretty happy that I did not get out at that price, honestly.
0: Ryan James Cook is another guy that's typically compared to Isaiah Pacheco. Those guys that are 24, 25. You can throw uh Javante Williams into that a little bit, although he wasn't nearly as successful as the other three in this group. These guys are hovering around RB1 status. And when you're con- comparing them to, to players like Jacobs and DeAndre Swift, and then those veterans, those guys like Tony Pollard and Austin Eckler, that, those are the other names to consider. It's pretty easy to Pump up Isaiah Pacheco and think a guy in this offense getting that much work and and being this successful over a couple of years, it's hard to not put him in that top ten overall.
1: Yeah, it really is. And a lot of this season, when you talk running backs, a lot of the conversation centered around those second year guys, James Cook and Rashad White, who uh, had had breakout seasons. I, I mean, when you look at Pacheco, he really did it as a rookie last year, and yeah, didn't, didn't quite get the credit for it because for most of this season and really for most of their short careers, he's been valued behind Cook and Rashad White. He, he still is based on our ADP, although he's, he's right behind where we've got uh, RB 11 through 13 Cook, White and Pacheco. You look at their, uh, their production this season, Cook and Pacheco both had six RB1 games. That's Actually, the same number as Jameer Gibbs, same number as, as guys like Tony Pollard. Um, so, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think we are undervaluing him. You, you look at some of the obvious needs that the Chiefs are going to have to address at some point this offseason. It's probably not going to be running back. You know, we, we sat here this time last year and thought Pacheco was fine, but he's a late round guy. Maybe maybe they bring in, uh, you know, maybe they upgrade that position. They didn't even try to upgrade that position last off season, and I don't think they will this time either. I, I believe uh, Clyde edwards hilaire is going to be a free agent. I think that's correct. Um, so they'll they'll make some moves, but I I think they look at Pacheco as as their starter at least for the next year or two.
0: Yeah, and really over the past few years, they've they've fallen into this habit of getting that veteran pass catcher. Lately, it's been McKinnon. To be one of those backups, and then they they thought they were going to rely. We thought they were going to rely on Clyde to be that that workhorse back. Pacheco has taken that role, and what's nice, Matt, is that he he also catches passes. Right, it's not like McKinnon always comes in on third down. Pacheco is a at the very least a serviceable checkdown option and a guy that you can even use in the screen game. He's probably not running. Uh, downfield routes or anything for you but he's caught enough passes over the last two years his first two in the in the league that even in ppr leagues you feel like you have something with pacheco that you can count on every single week
2: yeah i think he's i think he does enough to be have a have a running back two kind of floor every single week and obviously with the touchdown equity that he has it has um, um the ability to score much much higher than that i, I do think it's a a little. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know your stats are right, obviously, Ryan. But the, to say that he had, he had six RB one games, like like Jameer Gibbs did, I mean, I just I just think that's a little bit kind of. Um, I don't know what word I'm looking for is. But Jameer Gibbs finishes like the running back one overall, the two overall, the three overall. Um, you know, he's finishing in that upper echelon of those running back ones. I haven't looked at the numbers, but I'm guessing Pacheco hadn't, hadn't didn't get that high uh, in the running back one ranks on on a weekly basis. Um, but I see what you're saying. I mean, his, his, his floor is just so solid. Uh, and I think that's what we like about him. The other thing I wanted to note about Pacheco is that, like you said, last year, we were like, ah, oh, man, could he get replaced? He doesn't really have draft capital, all that kind of stuff, but he survived that second year. He survived the, the, the getting replaced. And it doesn't seem like, uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, uh, at least in terms of taking
1: away his lead back role at this point. Yeah, this just to to follow up on the Gibbs thing, and this is not a Gibbs conversation, but no. it, it really is kind of interesting. So Gibbs had the six RB1 games. All, all six of those RB1 games were top three overall. Yeah. So he finished mm-hmm. as a top three running back six times. <laughs> His next best finish was RB14. Uh, so obviously we're talking about the ultimate upside with a guy like Gibbs versus more of a, a safer floor um with with Pacheco so yeah I mean two two very different types of backs but I do think people would be surprised to hear that that they both have the same number of top 12 games
0: to be fair Pacheco did produce some elite games and it was just a couple week 17 against Cincinnati finished as the RB2 and PPR 29.5 fantasy points uh week 12 also against Vegas 25.9 finished as the RB4 overall Uh, early in the season against the Jets, RB6 that week with 24.8 PPR points. So he does still bring that that upside to get you those top three, top four, top five finishes, maybe not as electrifying as Gibbs, certainly not as electrifying as Gibbs, but that's why he was taken so much later than Gibbs in the draft (laughs) as well. We'll get to more Pacheco here in our next segment. But before we move on guys, uh what about on the trade block, Matt? Is there is there a trade that you're looking to go make as far as what you could give up in in draft equity to go get Pacheco that that maybe a manager would flip him at this 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 offseason?
2: I mean, I feel like he you ha- have to I feel like the asking price is going to be a first. I don't really want to pay that. no. Um, but we we see we see in the trade finder here 20 25 second like that's a slam dunk i think for anybody that's in a competing window uh second in i don't Kamara. even think you have to
0: be in a com- competing window honestly if that's i I'd give any second for for Pacheco
2: I think that's fair especially considering if, especially like I, I i would honestly rather i think maybe give the 24 second on the 25th second, yeah.
0: five second at this point
1: yeah. I was going to say the same, and I mean, we're going to get in, as Dan said, we're going to get into a running back conversation here in a little bit, but if anybody has even taken a a quick look at this rookie class, it certainly is not strong at the running back position, so, and if you're talking about a super flex rookie draft, I think there's a real chance there are no running backs in the first round, you know, maybe, maybe one or two, we talked about, Braylon Allen uh, last week, I believe. So may, maybe a couple guys sneak in there and you know we'll see draft capital and landing spots and all of those things. But if you're trying to upgrade your running back position and and you do have that contending team, uh, 10, 11, 12 pick, I, I think it, it could be a very savvy move to flip that type of pick for Pacheco because you're probably uh, almost certainly not getting that same level of help and production from one of these rookies.
0: What would it take for you to move Pacheco at this point, Ryan? If you were if, if you had him on a roster, maybe you're a middle of the pack team, let's say somebody comes knocking. What do you what does it take to move Pacheco?
1: I mean, he's the type of player that I want to sell. You know, typically we see those those That's late round I draft you, picks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to sell him, but the the trade finder tells me we can't sell him right now. I mean, Matt already Mm -hmm. talked about the second rounder. We see Pacheco for Josh Jacobs, even up Pacheco and Luke Musgrave for a first. I mean, that's, I like Musgrave as well. That's just not enough. Pacheco and a second for Kamara is really bad in my opinion. Uh, And and Pacheco and a second for Rashad White is like, I don't know why you're giving the second in in that deal. So, I mean, I, I would want a middle, uh, middle of the pack first rounder. Um, I don't, yeah. I, I didn't I want see that. Seven in, yeah. I didn't I see it, that. seven. Yeah, I, I would do that. I didn't see that type of trade in the trade finder and there were dozens and dozens of Pacheco deals. Um, I mean a top, uh, top 30 wide receiver would probably do it. And I didn't see that. I didn't see those Pacheco for wide receiver type deals either.
0: Yeah. So he's the pretty much the definition of a hold at this point. Unless you can buy him on the cheap like that second round pick suggests. Like uh like even the even the Jacobs move. I could see making that move. You guys mentioned Pacheco for Jacobs. If you could buy those couple of years and and get into the better offense, I could see doing that deal as well. Uh let's get to this ranking segment cuz this is a good one. Dynasty rankings. know every year guys we we have to talk about the running back position And, and typically we give the advice that you want to build that fill that running back slot late in your contending window right you want to you want to decide that you're the contender and then go get the running back that puts you over the top and I subscribe to that theory certainly but it seems to me that more dynasty managers are doing that and lessening the value of running backs almost to the point that NFL teams are at this point where where they'll give away running backs because the, the, the window of their production is so low that you can find deals on the trade market, especially to go get running backs. So particularly late in that, in that top 12 running back, if you're going to tier things out, you find the RB10. We just talked about Pacheco. He's one of those guys that's going to be considered in that range. It feels like you can go add that guy anytime you want for a reasonable cost. Now, the guys we're going to talk about at the top, the Bijans and the Gibbs, and even down into tier two of those running backs, those are more expensive. But to me, in general, Ryan, it feels like the running back market has, has lessened a little bit. The, the cost, at least, has lessened to get into a running back that you feel like you can start every week he's healthy. Health is a big is a big part of the running back position, though. You really need to have a, a deep core uh to to make a run and be a true contender. So it's a it's a hard balance for dynasty managers. In general, how do you feel about the the health of the running back position at this point?
1: Mm, I feel terrible about it. I mean, yeah. we we kind of we kind of knew this was coming, and we've talked about it on here uh really the past couple of years that as that as that class of 2017 fades, that that group gave us so many high impact running backs. That as those guys lessen in value, and we're talking, I mean, of course McCaffrey was in that, but guys that have lost a ton of value over the past year, Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Kamara, uh, as as those players start to fade in value and in production, the running back position could be in trouble. And uh, you know we've seen one or two impact guys. Uh, come into the league each year and, and prop it up, especially at the top with, uh, as, as you said, B. John and Gibbs, Brees Hall is up there certainly. But overall, this is, this is a, it, it's very thin right now. And when you get down to the RB nine, RB 10, 11, 12, it just becomes a conversation of, is this guy really an R a dynasty RB one right now? And I mean, even Pacheco, it doesn't feel like Pacheco should be an RB one but but for some people he is uh you know same for guys like James Cook in my opinion those are good quality players but if they're among the top 12 options that's not great um, well, well, and then well say, and imagine
2: like what it would look like without the last two classes what the top 12 would look like without without la-
1: the 23 class and the 22 class well i think i think what we're looking at right now is what it's going to look like for the next year at least because we've already talked about honestly just how weak the the, this upcoming rookie class is at the running back position and sure we're going to have surprises I mean nobody nobody thought Kyron Williams would be a top 12 guy um, here a couple years into his career so certainly it could happen that that one of these guys or two of these guys jump up and 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 help us out and kind of make the running back position look a lot better than it does right now but Based on these expectations, the top 12 now is going to be the top 12 in September and next December and so on. Um, Big picture at the running back, though, and I I want to hear what you guys think about this. Kind of the the company line over the past couple of years, and this seems to be growing in popularity, is just don't buy running backs this time of year. You know, once we get get to the offseason, do not pay for running backs. And that's been advice that I have given. That's been uh, kind of the, the game plan that I have followed in my dynasty leagues is I'm just not interested in buying any running backs. But like everything in dynasty, as that grows and, and kind of becomes the norm, I start to think we should pivot against that because Absolutely. now the running backs are so cheap. So if you, if you have a safe guy like Pacheco, yeah, go buy him. If you have a safe guy like, um, Certainly the top three, but, um, you know, even even Jonathan Taylor, if you believe in Kyron Williams, if you want to even go deeper and, you know, you see some upside in, um, you know, Jalen Warren or someone like that. Like, I, I think I'm OK with kind of shooting your shot on that, because, I mean, that's that's how Dan started that conversation. The values are just so low that you can afford to shoot and miss right now.
0: Yeah. And, and you can afford to shoot and miss. A couple of times, right? Because somebody has to carry the ball in every offense. There has to be a lead back in 32 separate cities. So I, I continue to think about what the biggest lesson that I learned this year, and that was not that you need three or four or five running backs to be a contender. You need double that. You need seven, eight, or nine running backs on your roster that have the potential to score fantasy points there. There are even leagues where we play in leagues with 30 roster spots. And I think a third of those could go to running backs. Honestly, yeah. you could continue to add the Kyron Williams of the world this off season because if you do hit that can put your roster over the top, whether you're a middle of the pack team on the bottom of the league, or you're a contender, because honestly, if you, if you had Kyron on your team in week, three, four, and five when he's blowing up and you were in a complete rebuild, you're getting so much back for him that there, there's not a single team that shouldn't have wanted Kyron Williams on their team, right? So you should constantly be rotating those running backs and trying to find the next guy that can take that step forward, even during the season through the waiver wire and and through the trade market. So let's get through these, these dynasty rankings, When we're going to start at the top, it seems pretty clear that there's two running backs that stand out more than any other, Matt. It's Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. Honestly, it's who do you prefer more? Uh, The two young running backs, ultra young running backs, rookies this season. Gibbs came on so hard late in the season that I don't I don't blame any manager that thinks Gibbs is the RB1 in Dynasty right now. Where do you fall?
2: Yeah, I put him at one, but honestly, I think I think he and Bijan, and I think I'm even comfortable throwing uh, Brees in there as kind of the top tier at this point. And I, I've I've just recently pushed Gibbs over Bijan. Um, I'm writing up the rookie report card this week on on the running backs, and I just dug a little bit deeper. And I just think the the season that Gibbs had was really impressive from the standpoint that. You know, he only finished with with uh, three point nine points fewer than Robinson did on the year. And he did it in two fewer games. But the most surprising part of that, that production it was that it mostly came on the ground. I mean, I didn't I don't I don't know how many people had him scoring 10 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, we expected him to get those 50 plus receptions. And he did, you know, on 52 receptions on 71 targets. Um, and with two extra games in there, you know, we're probably pushing 60 receptions. Um, he turned 21 carries inside uh, inside the 10 yard line into five touchdowns. Uh, and I think there's room to grow from the rushing standpoint, you know, Montgomery obviously missed time and they liked them. And and I flirted with putting Montgomery at the very tail end of this top uh, of this top 12, honestly, just because of, again, the state of this position, but Gibbs only had 55% of the snaps, uh, and only 42% of the rushing, uh, rushing share. So I think there's plenty of room for him to grow, Um, He did obviously do much better uh, from a fantasy standpoint without David Montgomery Uh, and the the, the 12 games with Montgomery Gibbs average 14.4 PPR points per game, but in the three without him, I jumped to 22.2. And that was when he finished that running back one in week eight, two in in week 10 and three in week 11. So um, I just have him slightly over, over Bijan, but you know, we have the, we have the the optimism for, for Bijan, uh, coming in the next year without Arthur Smith kind of holding him back, but we still don't know what the coaching staff is going to do in that situation. So because of, I think Gibbs has a little bit more room to grow uh and a little bit of the uncertainty with, with Bijan in the future, just like a, a hair above Bijan right now, but you know, put him in any order you want.
0: Yeah, I completely understand that. I, I currently have the top tier as Bijan, then Gibbs. And, I reserve the right to change that based on how how the coaching surf go search goes in Atlanta. What happens there? The lack of a secondary option in Atlanta that I'm afraid of is the reason why I feel Bijan has that elite, like maybe to the moon type upside. Where Gibbs will have to battle at least for another year with Montgomery, and maybe for as long as that coaching staff is in Detroit, they will always have that goal line back that that thumper in the middle between the tackles that will take away from Gibbs. Even if it's slightly like it was late in the season, it feels like Gibbs is the lead back there. And the guy that they they are trying to find opportunities in Detroit for him to get the ball in space, whether that be as a runner or a pass catcher. So I understand the Gibbs thing, but I I can't stop thinking about, and Ryan, I want to know what you think, who you rank higher. Um, I can't stop thinking about all the highlights, all the film coming out of Texas of Bijan and how that would transfer to the NFL. We didn't get to see that in his rookie season, but there is no way that that coaching search in Atlanta isn't isn't completely centered around how you're going to use these weapons moving forward because they were misused in the past.
1: Yeah, I think if you're, you know, if you were just, um, just a Falcons fan or just an NFL fan, maybe not a fantasy player at all, and you watched every, every game with B. John Robinson this year, you, you certainly felt that he was underused, misused. And, and we all, we all thought that as well. Um, uh, but even with that, even, even the, uh, the headache game, or you know, whatever happened there, I can't remember, but essentially, the, the game that really kind of uh pushed us over the edge when it comes to Arthur Smith, even with all that, Bijan Robinson had 13 games as a top 24 fantasy running back. Uh, only Christian McCaffrey had more this season, so hmm. he still had elite, elite fantasy production, even with Arthur Smith, even with Tyler Algier. Uh, getting way more carries than he probably should have. So I'm I'm with you. I still have Bijan as RB1. Uh, I, I, I mean I'm I'm willing to say it's close, but that's more about how impressive Jameer Gibbs was this offseason, not not really a knock on on Bijan. And uh, I, I'm with Matt. I've got Brees Hall in that top tier as well. I think we saw enough from him. And I would say it's a similar uh, a similar story as Robinson. Hall does not really have the, the competition for touches. Uh And he's, he, he's not getting a new coaching staff, but he's getting a new quarterback. And I, obviously I think that'll be a, a huge uh, upgrade for the jets.
0: Yeah. And health too, right? Brees yep. is going to be fully healthy that we didn't see those glimpses till late in the season. And those glimpses came in spurts where it was clear that he's, he's that, uh, truly elite tailback that can make plays from anywhere on the field. So that next group of guys, fellas, is, is, is Brees Hall, who we just talked about. Then probably Christian McCaffrey. You could throw Jonathan Taylor in there, maybe Travis Etienne, um, Devin H. Matt, I see, you know, your, your rankings reflect that you're very high on his upside still. Um, despite the, the injuries and late season trouble, I would say, um, or question marks, maybe that's a better way to place it. If you had to rank these next guys after Gibbs and Bijan and Brees Hall, how would that go?
2: It's uh, Christian McCaffrey at running back four. Uh, I think, I mean, despite the age, it's really difficult to get him any lower than that. I mean, I think you could even throw him in the top tier, to be honest with you. I know that's a, you know, we don't want to say that from a dynasty perspective, but he's got another – he's got at least one more year where he's going to be, you know, if, if where he's going to finish as the running back one overall. I mean, let's just – as long as he stays healthy – you know, knock on wood, all that kind of stuff Like nothing is going to change about his situation He's still in one of the most effective running offenses in the league uh, And like I, I've been talking about this since since he was a rookie Like this is a player that is going to age differently From a fantasy production standpoint Because of that receiving ability Even if he stops being ineffective as a runner He's still going to be a, as effective as a receiver So I've got CMC at running back four And then A-Chan at five And then ETN right after that at six with that For that next tier
0: I wasn't willing to move Achan so high after Brees Hall. I had McCaffrey because of the elite production, then Jonathan Taylor, especially considering how he finished the season. Travis Etienne, based on his usage, and then bumped Achan down even behind Kyron Williams. Ryan, where did you land here?
1: Um, yeah, CMC at four sounds like we all agree on that. And to me, it's just, I want elite young running backs and then I'm willing to take elite older running backs and, um, yeah. ver, over, uh, I guess, secondary young options. So that, that would be like CMC, then ETN Taylor. Uh, and then I've got Kyron Williams. So I've got HN a little bit lower as well down at RB nine, uh, also behind Kenneth Walker, who I'm, I'm still a believer in.
0: Yeah, I'm a believer in Kenneth Walker. He fills in this next tier as well, along with Kyron Williams, A-Chan. Then comes Walker. There's probably an argument for a handful of running backs to be to belong here, Matt. Is there anybody else worth pumping up to the point where you think they're on the brink of becoming like a top six runner?
2: I don't know that I'd go that high after you get past, say, Jonathan Taylor. Um but I I kind of disagree with you guys on Kenneth Walker. I don't even have him in my top 12. I I mean I I know you I know we all like Zach Yeah, I Just I, we the new, we got a new coaching staff coming in there with, with Carol gone. We have no idea how they're going to value these two running backs. They may see the consistency of of uh of of, uh zach charbonnet over somebody who's kind of a more boom and bust runner like kenneth walker is so i just it's again it's just that uncertainty situation that forces him out of there other than that like the rounding out my top 12 is is rashad white um but he both he and kyron williams to me are they're kind of in the position where i felt about pacheco last year at the at the end of the season, where I'm not sure if they're going to have a job uh, in terms of the same role as they had this season, and I think that's that's fair. I mean, we saw we've seen one good season in the NFL. I mean, I know he was injured in his rookie season, most of that, if not all of that. Um, but I just I'm not ready to make the commitment to bump him up into that that seven uh, spot where you guys have him right now. Um, I want to see another year of it, like we saw with Pacheco before, uh, really. Uh, bumping them up there. And the same with White, honestly. Um, so and then the last guy there is James
0: Cook, which we kind of talked about. Yeah, those guys really... There's a handful of guys you could have in those back three spots. James Cook, Saquon Barkley is one of those names. Um, Rashad White fills one of those spots for me. Pacheco, who, who Matt has in there as well. Ryan, is there anybody else that belongs in this conversation that you feel like has enough upside to make dynasty managers feel good about giving
1: him that RB one tag. I mean, again, kind of the point of this conversation is that it's hard to feel great about anybody after, you know, let's say after H Chan at the eight spot. Um, I mean, I've got Deandre Swift in there, but I don't even feel all that confident about that. You know, I was, I was looking at the last UFA. year's. Yeah, I was looking at last year's top twelve guys this month, and this month is important because this is our last month before the rookies are included. So last year, Joe Mixon was was an RB one. Josh Jacobs and Najee Harris were RB ones uh, according to our January ADP. But the difference was we could look at that and say Bijan Robinson is on his way. Jameer Gibbs is on his way. You know, we didn't even. Uh, didn't even necessarily anticipate a guy like Achan making this big of an of an impact, but we knew at least two guys were not only going to be in that top twelve, but but very high in that top twelve. And we don't have that this year. So if you don't have one of those top eight guys, or maybe even two of those top eight guys, then you're scrambling a little bit with James Cook and DeAndre Swift and Barkley and Pacheco and guys like that. So it's, uh, it's the challenge of the position right now, for sure.
0: After that line of the top six, Bijan, Gibbs, Hall, CMC, Taylor, and ETN. Maybe you throw in Kyron Williams. Maybe you throw in HN, depending on how, uh, how aggressive you want to be with your rankings. It feels like you just want a whole bunch of the, the massive tier that's below that, right? There's, There could be 20 names you could say, and including some of those that you mentioned Najee Harris belongs in it. He's a startable running back. Uh, His teammate is as well. So with Warren, so it really does feel to me this I've been thinking so much about how to build the running back position. And honestly it's quantity more than quality uh, at this point. I love having Jameer Gibbs on my roster, but I don't feel too bad if I have Kenneth Walker and Rashad White and uh, Isaiah Pacheco and and all those guys that that filter in below, especially at the prices that they're bringing on the trade market. Um, we got to get to the rookie report. We could talk about running backs all episode long, and we will all offseason long. This, this is an ongoing conversation here on the pod. We're going to continue to bring it up week in and week out.
2: It's tough to keep your New Year's resolutions, whether we're talking about dynasty, you know, we've all got so many leagues already. Are we really going to join another startup? Can we have the amount of time to take on another league? I'm going to make more trades and be more active this season. You know, we got, we got a lot of things going on as a dynasty manager. Factor is here to help you with some of your New Year's resolutions. Factors ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door with over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie-smart, vegan-plus, veggie and more plus over 55 weekly add-ons you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolution so how do you get started over at factor you go to factormeals.com/mostaccurate50 and use code mostaccurate50 to get 50% off that's code mostaccurate50 at factormeals.com/mostaccurate50 to get 50% off today it's time for the rookie
0: report. Yeah, let's get to the rookie report. We got a few prospects that, man, I, I did a lot of research this week. I spent a lot of time thinking about these guys and and watching these guys. First off, because the quarterback we're about to talk to talk about, I, I didn't watch it all. in my in my life, I've never seen him play until this week. Um, but we'll save that for later. <laughs> Secondly, Um, It really does feel to me, Matt, that these players are going to be specifically um, talked about in dynasty circles as so many dynasty managers absolutely love them, and then there's others that absolutely hate them and can't stand them. So let's start the conversation at wide receiver with Troy Franklin from Oregon who has splash plays and has size and potentially elite speed, right? There are there are plays where you see him burn at 6'3 or 6'3 half whatever he measures in at. There's going to be dynasty managers that are very excited about his upside. But I struggle to get on board with him being that elite wide receiver one in the NFL. And that's what keeps me from ranking him as high as some other dynasty managers. There's a lot to learn still about Troy Franklin. I'm wondering in in general, how do you feel about him as a, as a dynasty prospect?
2: I think if you like Jalen Hyatt, you'll love Troy Frank Franklin. If he feels like it's souped up Jalen Hyatt a little, a little bit to me, honestly, um, he's got the elite deep speed he's got and he's got the the incredible catch radius and that kind of stuff but the the physicality is like i mean he doesn't really have it for his size i want him to bully people i know he's he's a little bit slim he's got the length but he doesn't really use that size with it you see him struggle with physical defensive backs um you know he kind of waits for the ball to come to him rather than jumping going up and high pointing the ball i don't know if it's because he doesn't want to get hit up there in the air um and I, I don't know if you notice this, Dan, but I, I feel like he saw a ton of like off coverage that were just giving him free releases off of the line. So I, I don't know. Um, I, I see you see the ceiling. The ceiling is obvious. I'm just not sure if he if he gets there. Uh, there's a there's a play against Texas Tech where he kind of just blows off the corner off right off of the line and gets that instant deep separation. And the ball, it just like goes right through his hands. You know, like there's there's plays like that where it's just there's you see double catches sometimes. And I think the thing that bothers me the most about him is his his he just seems kind of stiff, like especially in the hip range. You really want to be able to sink those hips, especially on those comeback routes like uh, and and curls where you need to create that instant separation. Uh, And I just don't see that as much from him. Mm. He does have a nice like slant. He does know how to create inside leverage. He knows how to eat up cushion cushion. And, and disguised his route, uh, on, on those, inbreaking uh, in breaking and outbreaking routes, but on those, like on those anticipation patient kind of throws, you don't really see him create that separation. And I think that comes back to, uh, to the stiffness and the hips. Um, so he's not my favorite, but I can see the ceiling. He's probably going to be an end of the first round and rookie picks kind of guy. Um, I'm probably going to spend that pick elsewhere, depending on the landing spot. Um, but yeah,
0: I don't know. You can see the upside, but he's not my type of player. I I I think that's an interesting conversation because I I did notice that like lack of killer instinct to go get the ball. Right. He he liked to wait for it to come down and man at six, three, six, three and a half, you want to see that guy go go take it away. And he just, I don't know if I seen it even once. It was constantly waiting for it to fall into his arms, which which gives me a little bit of pause. I did see enough um, route running. And, and it's a lot of what you talked about that, that those instincts to be able to create leverage on the inside, particularly, I don't know if I ever saw him um, set up routes to the inside and create a lot of separation to the perimeter, but opposite yeah. consistently, he loves running those interior routes um, and, and creating separation that way, which, which is a positive. That's something that I really like about him. I love the size. And when you see three. And that kind of speed, they're talking about four 4-3 three speed, four three two, four three five. That's top of the charts. You don't see a lot of guys in the six three range that run that kind of speed, and it shows up on film often enough to feel like he could be he could leverage that and create um, create big time opportunities at the next level. So, I'm not willing to push him outside of my first round at this point. I certainly want to see where he lands. Ryan, it feels from everything that I'm seeing right now that he's going to be a first-round pick, maybe even a top 15, 18 pick, first first half of the first round. That kind of draft capital, uh, along with that size and speed combination, is the kind of thing that makes Dynasty Manager salivate, especially if he gets a landing spot, uh, a prime landing spot. What do you feel about if he lands in the right spot, can he be a guy that makes an instant impact for dynasty managers?
1: Yeah, I think he can be. I mean, obviously we see these types of players, these uh, thin framed deep threat, you know, speed specialist every single year. And um, I mean, Hyatt was kind of last year's guy. I don't like the Hyatt comp, honestly. Sorry, Matt, because That's fine. Hyatt, I mean, Hyatt can't run any routes, right? I mean, he got questioned That's That's about it at the combine and had no good answer for it, other than we run all the routes. And like, no, you don't. And and I think uh I mean, I don't consider Franklin the best route runner in the class by far, but I think he's I think he's shown more in that area than you know, than a guy like Hyatt, who's just go, go, go all the time. So um I don't know. I mean, like you've got Hyatt on one side and Devontae Smith on the complete opposite, and And the reality is that Troy Franklin's probably somewhere in the middle of that. Uh, I mean, as far as this draft capital, really wide range as as far as these early mocks, Dan does look like he's falling into the first round in most of those uh, right now. And we're, we're months away. I would, I would expect him to be a later first rounder, uh, the fifth or sixth wide receiver coming off the board. uh, But we could have, we could have that many in the first round. So Yeah, you're right. If he gets that first round draft capital, you're certainly not keeping him out of the first round in dynasty rookie drafts either.
0: Mostly an outside receiver. He's, he's really a downfield option that needs to develop a little bit more as a, with his threat of being that downfield guy and turning that into opportunities underneath and in the intermediate range. So Matt, trying to get it back to you and, 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 your thoughts as on his, the things that he does well, and maybe the things that he doesn't do well, the physicality is certainly a problem that he, he doesn't like contact at the catch point. That's a problem in the NFL. Those, those corners are so much more physical than what he's dealt with in his entire career. Those are some big steps to take. I'm I'm not, I'm not out on Troy Franklin. I certainly think that he has the upside. I can't wait to see how others really value him because it feels like he's, I'm on both sides of the fence with him. I don't necessarily love your comp either. He's certainly a lot bigger. He he, he definitely gets downfield and, and makes plays uh, as well. But I, I'm wondering for you, if you're out on Troy Franklin, what does he need to do better specifically to to really for you to get in on him?
2: I don't know if I'm out on him, like depending on landing spot and all that stuff. And I know the Jalen Hyatt comp isn't fair, but it's really just based on the speed. And I do think like Hyatt, his best spot is probably in the slot as a speed slot. No, and I those kind not. of players, those kind of players just do not have success at a high level in the NFL in general. So that's uh, as far as what he can do to to put me back in on him, like you know, hundred percent. I guess I I don't know. Like show me that you want to go up and get a ball. Use the size to your advantage. Maybe I mean he's pretty ripped already. I don't know, like how how much more room there is to add more muscle. But get up to two hundred pounds if you're six three, two hundred, and, and then you feel comfortable. You know, really, in those contested catch situations where where you need to go and get the ball rather than just let it come to you, like we saw in the playoffs this weekend, what happens when you let the ball come to you as a wide receiver in the NFL? And it's not pretty. It, so unless he's just going to beat everybody downfield every single time,
1: uh, I just I have I have, have questions. You know, he might. He, he might. might. <laughs> You're right. No, but I mean to to your point, Dan. I just think we need to. Uh, we need to see more versatility in, in his game. Uh, I do think uh, you kind of hit on it. Matt hit on it as well. We saw that off coverage all the time because of the all speed the thread. And I mean, th- those, th- those uh, D backs were, were 10 yards 10 yards off the line at the, you know, at the snap. And I feel like I saw several times where he took advantage of that with short stuff. And, and the problem was he didn't, yeah you know it was like a dive for 6 yards rather than uh rather than breaking that for for a long one um and maybe that goes back to the uh trying to avoid contact yeah it, it, we kind of glossed over it
0: and you alluded to it there after the catch he can be a problem for defenders if he's in space he does elude contact though he regularly steps out of bounds five yards before the contact rather than two yards before the contact or, or dives forward for a couple extra yards to stay away from taking that big hit. And that, that can point to what Matt talked about that, that lack of aggressiveness at the catch point when there's a lot of, a lot of contact coming, there's plenty of receivers that didn't like getting hit that were very productive in the NFL. Maybe he can be one of them. Let's go to the running back position and let's talk about Audrick, estimate from notre dame and if man there are some plays some highlight plays that you say man that big guy he can run and man he broke that broke that big run between the tackles and that looks like something that your favorite uh favorite nfl team could use matt i didn't really like audric estimate I, I don't <laughs> think he has he has the fantasy profile to be super productive or at least productive enough, unless he gets into like that ultra productive goal line role uh, where he's constantly getting opportunities in short yardage. He had some highlights that may, I think he had a game winner. I think it was against Duke where I think it was an overtime, like a 35 yard run or something between the tackles run and pulled away from the defense. And I had to go look to see if there was any NFL defenders on that defense because he looked fast on that run. There's not. He, he just doesn't – he looks like a thumper between the tackles that's probably going to go in the third round of your dynasty draft because he probably gets drafted in, the round, drafted in the middle rounds and maybe lands in a spot where they could need a running back that that's not typically the recipe for where i want to go get running backs but we we watched a another notre dame running back kyron williams and said some similar stuff and look what he's doing now what where did you land on estimate
2: he's i mean he's just a pure power back i think you know he's got great contact balance and physicality knows how to keep his pad level low he Tends to always get the extra yards after contact, and if he does get to the second level, then you know it's. I'm not going to say it's off to the races because I don't think he necessarily has the long speed, but he's gonna he's gonna bowl over those smaller defensive backs. But I think I did see a few times on on film. I can't remember the game off the top of my head where, uh, but where uh, uh, like it looked like a smaller defensive back was able to to get him down. Um, the number one thing that I really don't like about him and and this is probably a me issue i'm guessing is he's 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 got that big back mentality where where you know they know that they're gonna go low on him so he's gonna hurdle and i just do not like it when those big backs get up in the air like that (laughs) Uh, and most of his highlights included a hurdle i think right um but the the, i guess that's not the most thing i think i hate about him the thing i hate the most about him is 26 career receptions and 17 uh, as a sophomore and uh i mean I mean that's really it. He's not he's not going to catch passes for you. I think there is a, a danger that he's you know you want to he rides the line between patient and being too hesitant behind the line, especially mm. on on those outside zone runs where he's kind of pressing the line and looking for a seam. And if he doesn't find it, he's going to lose you. He's going to get negative yards. And I see scenarios in the NFL where he's putting up a lot of negative yards on on those kind of carries. Um, so maybe he's a boom bust runner in the NFL. I don't know. Um, he's a little bit stiff too. Um, but yeah, like you said, Dan, he's not really the kind of fantasy back I'm looking for. I think he has a role in the NFL. Absolutely. But from a fantasy aspect, I think, um, I'm looking elsewhere.
0: I love what you said there. The, the patience gets, gets him in trouble at times. And yeah. when there's faster defenders on the field at the next level, that's really going to be a problem. I like his power. I, I I agree with you. There is a role, but it might be like the AJ Dillon, AJ Dillon might be his ultimate upside. I think AJ Dillon's a better running back than him, but, but if everything works out for estimate, he's going to be what AJ Dillon has been in the last four years. And how many times have we been able to p- play AJ Dillon? Dillon also can catch the ball a little bit better than,
1: mm-hmm. than
0: Franklin or excuse me, than estimate Ryan is as, as far as draft, uh, landing spot or, or where he could go His capital. It, it's all over the map from what I've seen, I'm a, I'm a little surprised that some mocks have him as high as they do, honestly. You, you see him in day two, and I just don't see that kind of player.
1: Yeah, I was going to say day two, and, and specifically late day two, talking about third round, feels yeah. like his upside right now. Uh, he is the RB5 based on mock draft database, which uh, essentially averages all the mock drafts that are out there. He's also the RB5 on PFF. Uh, Some really interesting numbers from PFF, by the way, and and these kind of paint, if you haven't watched Estimate at all, these paint maybe a rosier picture than what you might see from watching him. 892 yards after contact. That's ninth in the nation. Uh, Mm -hmm. 22 15 plus yard carries. That's seventh in the nation and 64 missed tackles fourth forced. That's top 20 in the nation. So yeah. obviously that shows some power, some speed, some elusiveness. And I just didn't, we saw the power of course, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I, di- I didn't think, I didn't think he, wow. he didn't feel that well-rounded watching him. Uh Dan, I did want to ask you, cause of course we talked about another 20 year old power back last week that I know you're a fan of. So other than, uh, it, you know, I know Estimate's is a couple inches shorter, a few pounds lighter than than uh, Allen. Do you see these guys kind of in the same range? Because uh, mock draft database, PFF have them both in that R, you know, RB five, six, seven range.
0: Well, I th- I think I said it last week when we talked about Braylon Allen that it's going to hinge on where that forty comes in. If he does have that breakaway speed, that I think Matt, you watched both of these guys in the last ten days or so you saw enough of Braylon Allen pulling away from defenders that made you think maybe he does have, have the four high four fours or low four five speed that we've seen running backs produce for fantasy at it, I don't think that that exists in estimate. I, there was the one run against Duke that I mentioned that I thought, Oh, maybe it is there. And I don't think it is. It, am I off on that?
2: Well, I think no, I don't think you're off, but and, and I think the other difference, big difference between those two is that I think Allen, like once he decides to go downhill, like he's he hits it right away, like he, that that first yeah. step, like you mentioned last week, yeah. Dan is is a I think is a big difference between he and Estime. He, you know, he knows his I think he knows his weaknesses. Um, Allen speaking, he knows that he's a one cut and go runner. I'm not sure that Estime uh, knows that, and I am I am kind of shocked by those uh, miss. Was force tackles miss numbers there, Ryan? Like, I, got, his eyes, I, I'm gonna have to go back and watch more because I certainly they're, they're did not running see through him. though.
0: He's running okay. through those tackles with those powerful legs and that leg drive that I'm sure you saw. Anybody that watched, we're not him, talking about him. him. We're not talking about him making players miss. We're talking about yeah, going
2: through them. and that's that counts for the same stat, I guess.
0: Yep, right. It yep. certainly does, okay. and and that's what you see, and you see it on film, and that's why we we all agree that there is a role for him as that power back that 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 option out of the backfield um, as a runner in short yardage. So I, I think that all exists, but that doesn't necessarily mean it translates to fantasy. So when, when I watched him and watched him closely, I thought to myself, I need to move him down my ranking. I think I had him at 31 or 32 in my single quarterback. I think I need to move him down a little bit. And as we get into more rookies, we'll, we'll, We'll pop some guys above him. Anything else to add on estimate before we move on, guys? No, all right, fine. let's get to quarterback Joe Milton. This is the quarterback I, I mentioned. Matt, I didn't watch him at all until the last four or five days. So paint a paint a picture for me. Is Joe Milton a <laughs> fantasy prospect in two quarterback leagues? I I don't think so.
2: I mean, do you want me, I'll tell you what I like about him. He's got, well, it, he's obviously I, I asked got, you to put a picture and you said, I don't picture. <laughs> Uh Yeah, I'm not going to No, He's he, obviously the arm, the arm strength is there. And I really like his, his throwing motion, the mechanics there, like the release is really fluid and it, the ball just kind of jumps out of his hands. It's, a, it's just like a, a lightning quick kind of release he's got there. So you love that um but like that after that it kind of breaks down i mean he's got a really interesting story too he's replaced by him and hooker in 2021 after starting the first two games and he didn't return as the start into the starter until hooker tore his acl into 2022 um so i mean we haven't seen hooker on an nfl field yet i don't know if we're going to see him as a starter with the way golf is playing and the lions maybe head into the super bowl um but if he's you know i know we got to be careful with saying that he couldn't beat out this player whatever but that's not a great thing. Um, I don't know. Do you want to talk about negatives, Dan? Did you have any other positives to me? It was the arm strength and his release. It's like
0: like Josh Allen arm strength though. It's, it's not a league type. arm strength. He he can throw it through a player and the, and the velocity of the football is unreal. That's fun to watch. That's pretty cool. But doesn't it feel a little bit like the guy you see at the, at the County fair that can do something amazing, but it doesn't translate to anything else. It it really does feel that way. The athleticism and all that stuff, but I don't know if there was enough on film for me. There, there are there are big time fans of Joe Milton and, and there are people out there that say, Wow, wait till an NFL coaching staff gets a hold of him. And I just didn't see enough to go with that elite arm strength that made me think there was gonna be something there.
2: No, because the ball placement is often you know Ridiculous. Like, like terrible is maybe being nice like the touch work like it's, he just seems like he's trying like you said the guy at the fair that wants to throw the ball as hard as he can uh or slam the hammer as hard as he possibly can without realizing yeah. that he needs to hit it in the right spot to hit, knock it up and hit that bell right he just wants to throw it as far as he can like on those little touch passes where you need to like kind of just pop it under the ru- the Russian defender to the running back on the on the on the outlet like he doesn't have that ability and I mean, did you ever see him
0: feather a ball between defenders layer it in between the linebackers and the safeties? Cause that's the thing I was looking for. And there wasn't anything close to that. And I watched for hours, man. I I spent a lot of time on him,
2: And and he stares down that primary receiver, just (laughs) staring right at him. Uh, and I don't know, to me, it's a big red flag, six, 17 starts in six seasons in in college. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's an athlete playing playing the quarterback position. And I think last week Ryan, you said maybe Spencer Rattler is maybe the comp to Will Levis. I think he could throw Joe milton into that bucket too, honestly.
0: Oh man, what a oh, come slam on. on
1: Will Levis. Holy
0: cow, that's Jeez, that's going too Matt. far. Ryan, get out of here. <laughs> Ryan, is there a chance that he's he's undrafted? That he's a guy that
1: Oh, absolutely. Just, absolutely. I think so is. too.
0: I I don't know if he's an NFL it might be to the point that he doesn't get picked up after the draft, honestly.
1: Well, I mean, he's, you know, we talked, somebody mentioned the six years in college. I mean, he's 23 years old. He uh, turns 24 before the NFL draft. So that's, you know, that's another knock. Um, I don't know. It's just frustrating because, you know, he's 6'5", 240. He can run a little bit. Had 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 around 300 yards uh, rushing this season. So you look at him. And you think like, oh my gosh, this, this might be Cam Newton. Right. And then, then you actually watch him play and you realize uh, no scam, scam Newton, maybe um, that like, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I mean that he's, he just, he just can't get it done. Um, I do wonder, and I don't know, you know, maybe he's um, maybe he's the next like Logan Thomas. Like, can he, can he be a tight mm. end? I don't, I don't know. Mm. I hadn't thought about that. Maybe there's
0: something there. He is athletic. I do like the story's kind of cool. The fact that he stayed at Tennessee and waited for another opportunity that, that makes me want to root for him and stuff. Uh, sure. Where, else gonna go, transfer- Where else was he going to
2: go? Where else was he going to go? He had already been in the league for in, the, in college football for five years. He had a disappointing performance and as a junior in Michigan in six games. I mean, I don't know if he had mm-hmm. a lot of other options.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's the case. I, I just wasn't impressed. I, you know obviously hope for the best for him and stuff i i don't think i don't think he's an nfl quarterback and uh he doesn't belong in dynasty rankings at any level so troy franklin audric Estime, and joe milton i don't know if we're all that excited about any of them although franklin certainly does it does have
1: some i like upside. Franklin. you guys you the guys are too tough on there he's fast no he's fast. well maybe i have
0: him at eight in my ranking in my single quarterback rankings i have him at eight Typically, I see a lot of a lot of others are ranking him around six, so maybe just slightly down. And I'm, I'm interested in seeing how he performs at the Combine and uh, what news we hear on him moving forward. Estimate, however, I need to get him out of my top 36. Um, anything else to add before mm-hmm. we get out of here, guys?
1: Ready so. to talk about three more guys next week and uh, ready Hopefully to find we'll out who's won to the Super
0: Bowl who's going to the super bowl and continue with the rookies. That's what we're doing all off season. Uh so stay with us here on the DLF Dynasty podcast. For Matt and Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast.